for my love is like a red, red rose. Hello and welcome to The Arts Respond, a Create, Contribute, Change production. I'm Anna MacDonald. Today we are interviewing incredible Welsh artist Dan Flaylen Hall. Dan's work spans landscapes, portraits and takes in some amazing collaborations along the way. From Dan Buster's Reunited to the Sheffield Tree Project to his latest collaboration with poet Robert Minhinock to create The Dunes, a work of paint and poetry. We have a lot to talk about. Welcome, Dan. Hello. Hello, Dan. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us because I know that you have currently a show on, Awakenings. Um, so you'll have been a bit busy with that. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a series I've been working on for probably the past uh, couple of years. And uh, essentially, the, the main body of it, it are um, ancient stones that um, populate the Avebury sort of circle area. Um, and uh, long been a fascination of mine. But now I think they're particularly sort of relevant and poignant Um and there's something about the timelessness of them which um, which always appeals to me. So this is really interesting. I've been lucky enough to see a few of your shows, and I was wondering specifically about what motivates you to continue. What motivates your continued curiosity around creating? Um, well, it's a form of language essentially. So it's one which I feel most comfortable with, and one which I can really convey everything I need to say about the world. Really, at the moment. Um, it uh, it beats words for me, and uh, that's really the crux of it. I think I just go on doing that because um, it's my it's my easiest way of um, uh, passing through this world, this, this life. Um, which actually answers the next thing I was going to ask you, which is why the visual. Um, and I think you've you've answered that really perfectly there. Um, one of the things that I read in my research was that you tend to paint very quite quickly. You know, you're in situ and you everything happens then. Yeah, I would say that I um, I begin uh, a sort of series by visiting a place. It normally begins with a place or, you know, in a case of a portrait, it's the sitting. Um, and then I will, um, preferably, I will do the work from the location there and then. Um, and that gives me the sort of, I guess the spirit really of the subject matter and I, I feel qualified to make a sort of image from it that's authentic um so yeah they can they can happen quickly but I mean uh generally that's because I've been thinking about it for a while um uh, before I find myself in the location and I, and I need to work impulsively so it, it comes off the brush so to speak in a way which um which is impulsive yeah and how do you find your place is it because I know that you've done some projects and we'll come on to them a wee bit later, but is is there sometimes you just, you're driving somewhere and you stop and you think, oh my goodness, I have to paint this place, or is it more than that? Do you need history or an event? Or It normally begins with perhaps reading about something, something with a historical bent or something which, uh, which, which has sort of piqued my curiosity as a theme. Um, in the case of Avery, for example, we... Um, just drove past it uh, after a friend's birthday party, and um, I saw these phenomenal-looking objects in the field as the car passed, and it was it was really as brief as that, and that's what got me sort of locked onto that as a subject. And then it, you know, then it spirals into a whole whole sort of process of 
of really reading about it and finding literature, which gives me the um, gives me the base really to work from, and then the images just pour out really. Because a lot of your projects are actually quite collaborative. You know, you you work a lot with poets or activists um, who have who have brought ideas to you as well. Yeah, I feel that with poets in particular, I've always had a lifelong interest in poetry, but never wanting to, never wanted to write it. Um, but I always felt there's, it gives me an access into the mind's eye, really, and um, opens up my mind's eye you know, in terms of poetry. So it's almost like a different function. That it sort of depends a lot more on the imaginative um, interpretation of someone else's vision, but then it's diffused on my own, you know. Um, yeah, and, and collaboration. I mean, in terms of the stuff I've done with activists, that's really been something where, again, I've, um, you know, to begin initially, initially been interested in how these people um, uh, have adapted, a, uh, adopted a subject which is close to their heart, and and generally it'll it'll enthuse me as well in the same way. And I feel that particular subjects um, they can can be helped. Um, helped visualise by by images when it comes to activism um, can be very useful in that function. So that feels to me very much in the same line as um, when you find a place and feel the the atmosphere, that somebody's words inspire the same sort of feeling. Sometimes words can be quite clumsy, can't they? But um, the the idea of a feeling of a place. Yeah, I mean, I've always really admired certain poets, which have always really grabbed my mind's um, my mind's eye and and and, uh, and heartstrings and made me think, God, this is this is incredibly poignant way of describing something or an experience. And uh, and I relate it very closely to painting, so I think mm. particularly poetry is painting with words. Um, but I also feel that I can I can offer something to to the to the subject um not not necessarily illustrate the words but but certainly illustrate the subject as a broader theme you know it, it gives you a gateway into an idea do you know when i was delighted to see looking through your gallery that you have a painting um called water after ruth padel and um, i've also interviewed ruth for this podcast and she's she's a very good friend of mine so that was really a lovely bit of synergy yeah it was really nice to see that and she's obviously like a, a you know quite an activist um and i was wondering um a little bit about the projects you've chosen because they're quite they contribute a lot to certain communities you know the sheffield tree project gorgeous and and huge and really helped them platform what they were talking about um, and the dam busters reunited again just a, a lovely way to thank people who have contributed to society do, do you think about your work like that at all i don't actually i mean weird because people do always attribute it to this idea of um you know a, a, a sort of a alignment and almost um uh um <sighs> Almost, almost like an appreciation of, of what people or what things people have achieved in 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 that given subject. But no, I think I think of it more as a um, as a way of um, uh, visualizing a sort of um, should we say a community or a um, um, or an act or an act an act of a community. Which I think can translate in, into painting, but I don't. I don't ever think of it in this way of sort of almost paying homage to it as a subject. I, I never, I never think of it like that. And I think it, 
can come across as that, which I don't mind. But I mean, it's um, it's not it's not my in, it's not my impetus to do it. It's quite interesting because there's quite a wide variety of projects you have. You know, you you've worked with poets and filmmakers and, like I see, these specific activists um, in very different areas as well. So it's just quite interesting to hear what pulls that all together for you. Um, I think it's it's just the shared the shared sort of um sense of the subject and and an absolute um commitment to it and it's uh that's really what spurs me to want to know more about how these people think and um you know and then and then as I say the images sort of align themselves to the subject and they become synonymous with it so they sort of they sort of uh, visualize it for people outside of that given community um. But I'm quite I'm glad that the images do uh, they do connect with the subject as closely as that, and particularly these communities, so the Sheffield communities, the, the tree protests, and should we say also the you know the Dambusters project I did. Um, but that was really more you know for example the Dambusters thing was more about trying to understand the humanity behind the, the men and the person the personalities uh, individually rather than this act that took place, um, which definitely did take place. But not, that's not you know um and, and in, in the sense of the sheffield trees it was about these great characters which are just bared witness to what's going on around them um silently of course but um that that was um so that in that case was what motivated me for that one but uh it does, does tend to vary that that um influence yeah i, I know exactly you know there's something very um Obviously, it's permanent, but it's mar- it's marking an event through the humanity of it almost with the individuals. Yeah, so uh, I think that, you know, it's a complicated subject, to say the least. It's loaded. Um, and, uh, you know, people people have very strong opinions about it either way. Um, so you are entering into that discourse, historical discourse, and some kind, sometimes debate, Um which you know, I don't mind. It's there; it exists, and you, you have to confront that. Uh, but I, you know, I, I don't feel as though I need to qualify anything in that um, in terms of the imagery. The imagery takes on its own life and its own existence um, outside of that sphere. But you know, as I say, it inev- it's inevitably about the subject, so you can never get away from that. Uh, but I, I don't. Um, I like to think that the images will go on and find their own lives and not depend on on the subject existing or you know albeit people knowing about it so they need they need really to be the in some cases they'll be the first port of call how people find out about a, a given subject but um the, the, the images themselves have to function on them on their own so you know if you chuck them into the middle of the antarctic without anything around them um they need to exist and that, that's sort of where i sort of look at it I mean, absolutely. I think it goes back to what you, you said originally about it being a form of communication without words. It makes it more accessible in a way. Yeah, and you don't, you know, you don't want, one doesn't want to really sort of um, need all this paraphernalia um, surrounding the image. So, you, you know, as a, as a painter, I believe that paintings have to communicate on their own and um, not require a whole, you know, bump of literature around it or... Um, other things which prop it up, um, you know, the images must uh, must exist and have their own potency. Um, and you know, sometimes, as I say, with, when I work with the poets, it's inevitable that they'll be directly um, assimilated by the words, um, which is inevitable. But you, you know, they that, that's I think that you know you put all of these things into one pot 
and it sort of makes them a bit more um it, it opens up your audience it, it becomes about really finding audiences beyond um people who would necessarily go to a gallery and look at paintings on a wall and think it ends there and i think that you know i, I like to think that there's a bit more to it than that and is that what drove your collaboration with robert min Hennick? i think i've said that correctly yeah it, funny well, yeah it was it was uh shared love of an area which I, I grew up and have very fond memories of mine is of walking around these this dunescape with my father and uh, I worked with Robert Menhinnick on a project to do with the um, Elvis Festival in Porthcawl which is a very crazy uh, world uh, to do with you know um, Elvis impersonators um, but I you know so, so he came along and he did this wonderful reading of some works which he had already written actually so um, from there, we sort of discussed this idea of this la- this landscape, and I, I noticed that he'd started writing some poems about this dune system, very mysterious but fascinating sort of part of the world, which um, which I was familiar with. And then I sort of thought, well, it'd be great if we could both work together and we'd um, reciprocate images and poems with each other and send them back and forth, um, you know, both working sort of independently from the subject. But that, in a way, was probably the most organic project I've ever done in, is a collaboration. I say it's, it's, probably, it's probably the the most um, pure collaboration because we 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 worked absolutely um, independently from our own memories and experience of this landscape, but come up come up with a body of work really, words and images, which had a great fusion. I feel and um, you know shed shed a bit of light on this this very very interesting part of the world, which sort of unexplored it culturally it doesn't really it doesn't figure anywhere um so that was another appeal you know they're sort of uncharted territory um for for me and i think robert living there in that landscape for a lot of his life um has come to do a similar sort of thing with it so um it's so interesting and that book is called the dunes and it's available from all good bookshops and also your website danalehall.com Amazing, good to know. Um, and we've we've concentrated a lot on on landscapes, but you also do a lot of portrait painting. Yeah, the sort of port, portraits. I've always worked concurrently, you know, with both um, landscape and portraits, and I and I sort of I suppose I think they fulfil different roles and needs in myself. Portraits, I believe, are sort of um, they sort of uh, they, you know they, they are more directly aligned with the subject, and you have the your you know your first duty with them, I suppose, is is some some sort of depiction of the subject um which you'll never get away from and, and in, in a way that's so you, the parameters are much tighter i think when it comes to portrait you have a lot more such we say constraints but they yeah, they work differently but i'm always you know that, that the directness of the sing the singular nature of the subject um is, is a great appeal to me and you know the, obviously the treatment of it is different um but you know I, i'm drawn also in portrait to people who occupy sort of um uh areas that um again you know some sometimes can divide audiences um but also people will have strong feelings so the public figures i've made i think somehow i think do that um and again i've also worked with bigger groups of people like i did something in hull for the hull maritime museum where i sat with a lot of guys from the uh, seafaring community um and that took place over the course of a year in this Merchant Navy Club. And so that was really a much broader social um, 
sociological sort of uh, experiment, really, in portraiture that was uh, with a group of people. And I feel this may or may not be true, but I feel like it'd be harder to draw people because they move and they want things and they are people. Is that a fair assessment? It is, yeah. It's something which which is um, it's it's a bit more of a minefield in terms of how you negotiate it. You know, because you, you are dealing with um, people's feelings essentially in some ways, and some people do get very attached to the the image of themselves. We all do. We all have a clear idea of how we think we, we look in the world. Um, and I think the thing with a portrait, which, which is, is my absolute fascination, is that a painted portrait somehow is a distillation of your time with a person, um, ideally. You know, if you get that, you get the um, privilege of a sitting. Um, so it, it is really a distillation of that person and, you know, the fact that they are animated, uh, living and breathing and, and um you are engaged in a discourse with them is um, is something which really will all, will all, will always interest me, and um, and I think that's probably the main reason why why I do why I work in portraits as well. Does it influence the portrait directly? Ah, uh, yeah, I think it, I think it's bound to it's bound to yeah. I don't see how it can't. I think that you um, as much as you might try and keep. Um, you know, keep your, keep your integrity, should we say, to the image. You know, you, you are bound to be uh, influenced by that person and, uh, you know, the conversations you have with them and, um, you know, the, 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 uh, the dynamic between two people. Um, but, you know, I try, I always very much try and sort of st- stay in this neutral ground if I can with them. So I, I don't. I think it's quite useful sometimes when you sit with someone you don't know them very well, and, and that, so the whole relationship evolves almost immediately from the fact that you're doing this portrait and sitting them, drawing them. Um, and I like and I like that tension. That tension, I think, is really um, very interesting. You know? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's fascinating, especially if we're looking at as we are painting as this other form of communication. I think it's really interesting what you could pick up from somebody. Yeah, you, you don't, um, you know, and I, I, I very rarely, for example, paint portraits of people who are very close to me. So, um, and it's a funny thing. I, I, and sometimes people would, might regard that as, oh, well, you know, you haven't given me attention in this way. Or you, you know, so I'm, I'm often being asked this, and I, and I think to myself, well, you know, I wonder why that is. And I think it's probably because you just need that little bit of distance um, that enables you to to look at somebody sort of objectively. You know, if you know them too well. Um, get in the way and it, and it clouds clouds the image um and there's no you know the mystery is is not quite as um as strong should we say from the offing uh, where it is i think if you haven't sat with someone before and you, you begin this process this dialogue with somebody through an image um so that, that's that's that. elements um, and thinking objectively and taking a somewhat of a left turn so, I mean, we're in 2020, we've got a global pandemic and the world has somewhat paused. Um, and we're considering a lot how the arts as a sector or as part of our community or, or however you think about the arts, how they respond to this. So assuming goals are diversity, inclusion, equality, what do you think the arts as a sector or as a community is doing well? What, what would be one thing that you would say we should absolutely keep this? 
Well, look, I think that, you know, being an artist is a large part of being an artist is, is being a survivor. And it's being someone who can basically navigate this difficult world we're in. Um, and this is just another episode in, in that world that we sort of all have to, everyone has to deal with it. Um, so uh, I, I feel that it's sort of, what can we, what can the arts offer? I don't, I'm not sure it, I'm not sure it does offer anything directly. I think that the we might have experiences which are heightened by this period we're going through, but it only just exacerbates perhaps the the, the weaknesses. But it can also create strength. I think it can create a sort of sense of um, you know uh, real sense of independence you can gain from these moments. And, you know, like I say, I, I really believe that an artist is, is, is the ultimate survivor. It's someone who has to um, be very, very sort of um, steadfast on their vision. And, uh, and you, you just, you, you have to coast these times and you have to do them. You have, you have to draw from them. You know, you have to, you know, the best art always comes out of um, difficult times. Uh, and that is because, as human beings, we, we, we need we need to draw on these experiences and our feelings, and um, largely they they can be the ones which are the most challenging ones, which produce the best art. And I absolutely mm. think that. I, uh, yeah, that's that's a really interesting um, that's a really interesting uh, take on it as well. Uh, I wonder if, especially during this period, if the wider community who aren't artists have relied a little bit more on artists than normal. Yeah, I think the, the solitary pursuit nature of it, I think, I think def, definitely is a big, big factor, and I think that it can, um, it can um, help people and give people clarity on their own lives, and that, that's what art is. I mean, absolutely, that's what art has done, and I think that, you know, you look at um, look at the way now in which we can visit museums, and I think the experience of visiting a museum at this present moment is probably has never been better, um, and that's because you know you, you we're, we're enabled to have this um, better proximity with with the art with the objects um and that that helps us to um as i say get a better perspective in our own lives and that's that's what art does art art reading i would say well, i use art broadly but it, it, it's um sure. it's there to provide um um perspectives and also to make us feel as though we're not we're not entirely on our own in this world and all these experiences mm-hmm. and difficulties we're all going through then um it just gives it gives us all that um sort of solace I guess and with that in mind and keeping the first question about the art as a community and as a sector is there anything that you see that you would change in, in when you say that when you say as a sector I mean in what sense do you mean that I mean do, do you mean I do mean in the broader sense so as a art in the sense that it's used in the community art in the sense of how accessible it is art in the sense of how we encourage the next generation to take it up and understand it and, and use it for exactly the experiences we've just discussed? Well, we have, we have to, first of all, be good audiences, I think, when it comes to understanding and, and absorbing art. So but I think, first of all, that's the first, first qualification is that we, we, we look and we open our eyes to what's going on around us. And then, you know, should we want to get engaged in the act of creation and, and use it as a ways, you know, um, cathartic ways and or, or, or ways to better understand our own ourselves our inner selves uh yeah i think i think that um i think as a, as a sector in that sense it's uh 
It's absolutely critical, yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I really think that we're, we're at an age where we have to also really um, be get, you know, get good at being audiences and sometimes not necessarily need to make something in that particular medium, except that people, people um, can, can, can create. And this, this gives us, it just it helps us better understand ourselves. And so we don't have to necessarily go through the creative process ourselves, but if we feel inclined to, um, I think it begins by looking at other people's work and understanding through, through that way. You know? Absolutely, and finding the the medium that appeals to you or that works. For exactly, you. yeah, exactly. That, yeah. So this has been great. I'm just going to finish up with four quick fire questions. Mm. What are your favourite materials to work with? I sort of use all materials actually. I, I don't. I, I um, you know, I'm stewed at the moment. I've got got the whole whole works going on i mean i work in um really a lot of the time whatever comes to hand and i'm and i, I am as, as direct in that sense I, I i very rarely set out sort of saying oh i'm, I'm gonna work in this medium or that medium i just i just see the actual substance of paint as, as you know just the you know the, the 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 raw ingredients so um i don't i don't really have a preference to the materials themselves and i, and I do work with a whole whole shebang, anything two dimensional I can put onto a canvas, onto a plane, two dimensional plane, is good for me. Amazing. Who, what was your favourite portrait to paint? Who was your favourite portrait to paint? Um, ugh, that's your very fun? very very old. I mean, I suppose in terms of experiences, um, it's a close one. Oh gosh. Uh, there are probably two that sort of uh, are memorable just in terms of the experiences. Obviously, you know, when I painted the Queen, I think that that was that was a, a good day out, um, mm. and it was a, it was sort of because, because you're wrestling with such big, big um, uh, social sort of um, you know the, uh, beliefs and, and, and structure, and also um, you know when I sat with. The late Harry Patch, he was the last veteran of the First World War, and uh, at that particular moment in time, he was the last man alive to witness you know, the trench warfare of the wow. First World War. And I think, um, you know, I could see a man who was truly alone, uh, and that transaction, me sitting there next to him, um, was incredibly memorable and, and, you know, very, very moving. Uh, so I was sort of overwhelmed in that initial moment. Um, so I'd, I'd say those two figure quite highly. But look, I mean, they all—they all do, really. I mean, I can't, you know, just because they, I'm just, I'm just favourites. Yeah, I'm just picking them out, really, I suppose, because they are sort of quite—they're sort of public property, these people, and, and they, well, they represent as much broader con- public connotations. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's, who yeah. would you say is the, the artist that has the most influence on you? Uh, I suppose there are two I very, very regularly return to. I mean, I've, I've got, there are dozens and dozens and dozens I, I look at, um, but I'd say the two for um, the vigour and the life force in their work, which, um, so there's a guy called Chaim Soutin, who is um, uh, an artist who he died in the 1940s, uh, expressionist, true expressionist painter, worked directly from the landscape. So in terms of landscape and indeed portraits, he, he, he really did it for me. Uh, like you know, uh, I can't look at him too much because these things rub off, and you've got to you've got to try and keep your own your own vision fixed. Um, second, I'd say uh, well Rembrandt. I think when it comes to 
portraits. I mean, I, I find it very hard to get away from him. I find that uh, they absolutely um, speak about the human condition. And um, in paint and line, I think um, he's, he's, a, he's always, I mean, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's like going to the doctor, really, whenever I have issues with painting or painted portraits. I look at I look at those images um, of people, and I think you know that that's possibly as good as it gets when it comes to portraits. That's am- it's amazing to have that there, that resource, if you like. I don't know if that's quite the right word. That inspiration. Yeah, it is. It, you know, it, it's it's like um, you know, it's like when you go to the doctor surgery, and that's the way I look at it. And I think a couple of artists have likened it to that in the past, is where where you go in and you need a fix, you need to find a solution to something, and. Uh, there are two people who, who help me quite a lot. Yeah. Who is your favourite poet, bearing in mind that on the 17th of September at Vuturin's there is an evening of poetry curated by yourself? Yeah. Um, again, that's another tricky one. And you, you put me on the spot. <laughs> but, uh, I if, I'm going to have to name one who's um, no longer with us, really, to be um, sort of partial in that sense. But I would say I'm a very, very big fan of R.S. Thomas. Mm. Uh Horace Thomas sort of transcended the um, spiritual realm, if you like, with the real world. Um, living in uh, living in rural Wales as I do now, um, I can sort of, you know, I, I really liken um, that existence to sort of my own. And, and, I, and you know, he, he again he, he breathed this great, strong, strong depiction of humanity into his into his poems, um, but also transcended them into the spiritual realm. Um, so he he is a big big player, I think, in terms of my 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 fascination with poetry. Dan, it's been such a pleasure to have this chat with you. I've got to ask all my questions. Thank you, Anna. We've only managed to cover a little bit of the work Dan has done during this podcast. So I would really encourage you to go to his website, danlhall.com, to check out more. His current show, Awakenings, is on at Vutorin's 30 Prescott Street, London until the 26th of September, and I can personally highly recommend this. There's also an evening of poetry created by Dan called Poets of Inspiration, which is on the 17th of September, and that's already shaping up to be a great night. Thanks so much for listening to The Arts Respond. Please check out all of our other episodes, and don't forget to rate and subscribe.